Welcome to Leadership Unleashed. Today's leaders must be experts in emotional intelligence, the art of persuasion, and masters of motivation. Each week, you'll hear hints and tips to help you develop confidence, build your identity, and your skills as a leader. Here's your host, authentic leadership expert, Leslie Hunter. Hi, and welcome to the show that is designed specifically to help you become more effective as a leader. We've already made a distinction between leadership as a process, and you can do processes, and the person who's at the core of that process, the leader. So today we're going to be talking much more about that individual and some of the traits and the characteristics that are required, but in a particular context, in a particular specialist area. So today I've managed to hijack somebody on their way to a conference in Dubai and I'm delighted to welcome as a guest Dr Susan Lane from Edinburgh Napier University. Welcome Susan. Thank you very much for the invitation. Susan, your job title, you are the Director of Executive Education for Innovation and Enterprise at Edinburgh Napier University. Got it in one. Right, that sounds really interesting. Um, tell me a little bit about in a minute what you do but tell me why you're here in Dubai and what this conference is that you're attending. Okay. The conference I'm here to attend is the International Conference for Small Business and it, it moves in terms of being hosted around a variety of different countries but for this occasion we are in the Middle East and there'll be delegates from across the world attending. So what I'm here to present is a particular paper around entrepreneurial learning as my rebit at the university has been about encouraging entrepreneurial thinking and action behaviour amongst our student population. And the focus for this year's conference is about the global crossroads and the paper that I have brought is about discussing the journey that we've been on for the last two decades and a suggestion as a result of that experience that we've gained how we believe we're going to be able to navigate this global crossroads and potentially what the world looks like beyond. Wow. What, right. Let, let, let me unpick that. We've talked, you've said entrepreneurial learning, entrepreneurship, but global crossroads. I mean, what, what, what's a global crossroads? Well, I, th- I think for our discussion and our interpretation is the realisation that the landscape in which we're all operating, whether you're a commercial organisation, whether you're a public institution, whether you're a university, the world has become a small place. And the opportunities that have resulted as a result of technology, transportation, communication, that this global platform is really on offer to all of us. So as a university, as academics, how do we look at our marketplace as a global one now? And that's the conversations that we've come to Dubai to discuss this weekend. And I suppose the the analogy of a crossroads is that when you're at a crossroads, you could go left, you could go right, you could go forward, you could potentially go backwards. So you, you, you're saying that there are opportunities, different directions. Yeah, there, and- there, there are decisions which we have to make. We, we have to make as a university, we need to decide. I'm in a university which is based in the UK, but one of our key themes of our re- revised 2020 strategy is to internationalise ourselves. And part of that remit in internationalising ourselves is ensuring the opportunities for staff and students go beyond the country borders. So the, the opportunities that we are offering 
mean that we can go out from the UK globally, but equally that we are on the receiving end and we are trying to encourage students to look at us from across the globe and there is recognition that UK awards are a sought-after product. So it's how do you position yourself in that marketplace to ensure that you understand your strengths, you understand who in the marketplace might be looking for your products and services. And that, for us, is, is what being a global player actually means. Right, and you're talking, you're talking here about... Um, you, you mentioned entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial learning. Now, now these are words that people use and the words that I, I certainly hear a lot. You know, you hear them on the news, you read them in blogs, you open the newspaper and everybody's talking about small business is going to be the saviour for the future. You know, that's the way we get economies growing again. But what does it mean? What What is entrepreneurship? In a word, well, not in a word. <laughs> In as short a definition as we can. I mean, what does entrepreneurship actually mean? Well, well, for us, I think that the, probably the most often asked question is you're talking about learning institution and you're talking about working with students. And probably the most frequently asked question at an event or a dinner will be, can you make entrepreneurs? And the okay. reply that I would have ready prepared will be, it's not a magic wand and I can't give you entrepreneurs, but all the research and all the academic learning that we have at our fingertips indicates that there is a process that we can take people through which will make them think and act more entrepreneurially. Right, so let's stop there and think about the parallels because what I'm saying is there's a process and we call it leadership that people can be taken through and people can do it but they won't ultimately become leaders unless they actually accept the identity, the mindset and a whole range of behavioural characteristics to become a leader. In other words, the distinction for me between leadership and being a leader is that leadership is doing, it's process-based, and leader is a state of being. Does that kind of distinction hold true between, say, entrepreneurship and being, I assume it's the entrepreneur yeah. at the, at the Ab- centre? Absolutely. And I think, for, back to your not one word but one liner definition, I think the one that, that I would use most often about an entrepreneurial individual is their ability to manage uncertainty. And an individual who thinks and behaves entrepreneurially is the individual who can manage the process that from uncertainty their mindset, their skill set and their networks will allow them to manoeuvre themselves from a position that would be deemed as uncertain, but they can take themselves through that journey to make it a certainty and therefore they will act. So it's going from uncertainty to certainty. So there's obviously looking at risk. There's, Absolutely. There's you know acceptance and perhaps even embracing and maybe at times provoking change. You know, to, yeah. yeah. The, and, and it is. It, it's it's as you say. It, it's the status quo. And I think. If, if I can pick up on something that, that you said when we were talking about the, 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 my, my, my opening ramble uh, about what I was here to discuss, I think for me the exciting part of where we are at our crossroads is that when we established the centre and offered our entrepreneurial learning, it was very much at the entrepreneurial individual who was starting a small and medium-sized enterprise. So we would be refer to them as SMEs. But that world has changed and the need for the individuals who need to think and act entrepreneurially, actually the context has changed. So my okay. my world in the last five years has been around looking at everything that we had done and offered to prepare individuals 
be an early stage of establishing micro businesses, what we've learned is this this process and this mindset actually has a location within a larger organisation. And the, the area that we've been working in for the last three or four years, which very much comes out of the US and specifically one college, Babson College, is around the concept of entrepreneurial leadership. And this this is the taking of what we would regard as entrepreneurial thinking and behaviour, but what we are absolutely crystal clear about is this is not about startup, this is not about small businesses. Even we talk about micro businesses, less than ten into in a European definition looking at under 250. We're talking about individuals who can work in the private, the public and the third sector, but the people who lead these organisations, if we're looking at where we are in the world and looking at the landscape in which we're all operating, these individuals need to have a different approach than what historically has been accepted. Right, so we're saying here that there is this concept and definition of being an entrepreneur, which traditionally has probably been the the sole individual. And I mean, when you talk about entrepreneurs, we think of, of, of people, you know, Richard Branson, people like that, who are always on the lookout for the next opportunity, who are there to generate success, but who also bring with them this sense of excitement and almost maybe at times being a bit of a maverick, yeah? So what you're really saying is there's a need for this type of entrepreneurial behaviour in organisations across the globe, small, medium, large, corporate, private, third sector, and that this is something that really is going to become critical to organisational survival in the future because of this crossroads we're at? Yes, and our work is based on the work of Babson College, which is based in the States, and their research is founded on conversations with entrepreneurs and the realisation when you look at the landscape, the landscape is changing. We can't work on the basis that's what happened before is going to continue and going to happen in the future. Okay, so what does an entrepreneur look like? You'll know one when you see one. (laughs) That's a great answer. I'll know one when I see one. How would they behave? What, what, what would they do or what would they not do? What's This conversation I had with a student quite recently, and what I said to them was, the reason that you'll know one is through a number of questions. And I could chat to somebody and over half a dozen questions by just asking about the way in which they see the world, the way in which they engage with the world, the way in which they make decisions. And you can think about it from people in a family to dogs and that situation where you can have the same nature and nurture, but people will act differently. So I can't tell you what an entrepreneur looks like, but you'll know one when you find one. And it's about the way that they act. And it's about, so there's a a lot of internal work there, though, decision-making, thinking processes. So I assume areas like being creative, having lateral thinking skills, being, being open to opportunity, being not risk averse, but being able to calculate risk, but at the same time being prepared to say, well, okay, that's a risk worth taking and trying. Mm. And I suppose it's the old adage of, you know, you'll never know if you don't try. 
Absolutely. But I think where we take it into this new world of the, the corporate world, whether it's private, public or third sector, what we're trying to get is a better understanding of these people who are leading. But what we're trying to get them to do is reflect. And as a result of the, them reflecting about themselves and the role that they can play within these organisations. And that's time that traditionally our leaders don't take. Yeah, but very, that's very true. But that's yeah. what we've learned from the entrepreneurial community. Entrepreneurial individuals are like sponges. They learn constantly. And it's that's much of for us has been the catalyst for us to be able to take what we've learned from the entrepreneurial individuals but actually then see when you're leading a corporate when you're leading a, a social enterprise when you're leading a charity how can we inculcate in you some of that entrepreneurial spirit but this this sounds very much about um it's very it's very centered on the individual the, the, you're talking here about you know developing the leader. Um, where do followers play a role, play a role in this? Because you know we we talk about leadership as a process where the leader has to engage with followers. We're looking for trust. We hear about authenticity, about the need to you know to really have that that psychological contract yep. um, formed between yep. leader and followers. So you know to me, an entrepreneur is somebody who gets that light moment is oh great yeah there's the next best thing off they go charging off in, into the sunset you know to to make their next million leaving behind them possibly a, a wake of uh, of chaos I think that is very often a, a preconceived idea of the entrepreneur they are the innovator they are the lonely person and I think that's where we have a bridge to fill with individuals who maybe have established companies but get themselves another crossroads but a different one of that growth stage and there may be individuals who have got themselves to a certain point in terms of growing a business but they're not actually the right person to take that business forward. Well that's so important and I've actually been there myself you know you get to a stage where quite often you follow the passion you technically know what you're doing you get to a point in the business that you make it a success and then all of a sudden it becomes an entity in its yeah. own in, in, in its own right and you have to start looking at I suppose it's what I would class as the boring bits <laughs> you have to put the organization yeah. in the infrastructure etc etc um, and is an entrepreneur therefore somebody who's likely to get bored quite easily Yes, but I think one of the, the aspects that we've been looking at within entrepreneurial leadership is this, if you're looking within the larger organisational context, and it's going to weave back to you the question, which I probably didn't finish answering, which was about how do you bring the people with you, is your opportunities as a result of leading a group of people is that you need to bring them with you, and that's part of your personal development. So for us taking the context and changing it from a small SME and looking at a larger organisation, part of your opportunity about taking this organisation forward is that you are the leader and you are looking at the direction of travel, but you're not the only one. And an organisation right. okay. is not an individual. And interestingly, I had that conversation with a charitable organisation less than one month ago, right. where a key player in that organisation left. 
and they were devastated. Well, that's always the danger, isn't it? That you, you, you have this individual who, to, to again, to me, an entrepreneur, um, typically, uh, I would expect them to be quite charismatic. And you, 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 know, you have these individuals who become the, the core, the heart, the pulse of an organisation. And then that individual leaves, moves on to, to do something else. And there's a huge hole, a chasm left. But you talked about entrepreneurial leaders as individuals who might actually be working in different contexts. You mentioned family. You mentioned dogs. We'll come back to dogs in a minute. But you mentioned family. How does entrepreneurial leadership sit within a family context? And what would an entrepreneurial leader in a family or a social environment look like and be doing? Well, I think anybody who has family just needs to look at their offspring and look at the way in which those individuals engage. I talk having three offspring myself, and it's interesting the way in which they've come through learning. They're all adults now, but they will look at the world, each of them through a different lens, and they will look entrepreneurially or less entrepreneurially at different situations. So it's back to the old nature-nurture conversation about do, do entrepreneurs land in this world or is there anything that we can do being part of educational institutions to encourage? And our suggestion is that there there is sufficient evidence around to say that, of course, there will always be the born entrepreneur, but there are a range of tools that we can utilise to encourage individuals to look more creatively, to act more creatively and have a confidence in their decision making. And some of that is rooted in the work that we're now doing with a particular master's programme on entrepreneurial leadership. Right. Now, this is the programme that you you mentioned to me earlier, just before we we started recording this show. And this is a programme called MEL, Masters in Entrepreneurial Leadership. Love the name, MEL. Just tell me very quickly, you know, what, what would people learn if they did a programme like that? And, and why do you think, you've, you've probably partly answered this already, but why do you think there is a need for a master's, something at that, le- that academic level in entrepreneurial leadership? When we looked in terms of the marketplace and the provision at postgraduate level, you have MBA programmes. They are the flagship premium programme yeah. of every business school. That's what everybody looks at. And... I stand here as a representative of a business school and are very proud of the Master's Business Administration that we offer. However, we also identified a particular audience who needed more coaching, more understanding of themselves and wanted to better understand, looking at this changing landscape, how were they going to do it? And the phrase that we've quoted lots of times is, when you don't know what to do, what are you going to do? Right. So what you're actually saying is that there are traditional MBA routes and, you know, I know a lot of people who've who've followed those, you know, themselves, but that there might be situations, there might be certain contexts and there, there definitely will be certain individuals for whom a slightly different approach is going to be more appropriate and that this whole changing global landscape is raising this question of, if we are having to work in a much more uncertain, ambiguous, volatile, unfamiliar and and challenging world, particularly in the business sector, then maybe different skill sets are needed. Yep. And I'm going to give you 
two, ha- two responses to that. The first one is around a couple of the tools that we use, which is saying that we can't assume that what's happened in the past will happen in the future. That's a good one. And looking at that, then we have a particular... It's a, it slip, chips off the tongue. Cognitive ambidexterity is the term that she Do used. Say that again. <laughs> Very slowly. Cognitive ambidexterity. Cognitive ambidexterity. Let me unpick that one. Cognitive, okay, to do with cognition, yes. Ambidexterity, that means I can write with my left hand and my right hand. So, following up, it's a good double act here. It's based on historically managers and leaders would utilise prediction logic. So when you want to take a new venture forward, when you want to offer a new service, you ask for the business case, you look for the evidence, you look for the research, and senior management will support you on the basis of that. You want the logic, the evidence, you want everything to stack up, you want the... But what happens if you don't have it? So the workout of Babson is suggesting, actually, we need to equip our managers and leaders with tools to say, well, if we don't have that, what do we do? So they've come up with this combination of prediction and creation logic. So creation logic is saying, okay, we don't have all the information, but what could we do? How could we trial it? How could we pilot it? How could we learn quickly? How could we refine it? And how could we go back to the marketplace? So this mirrors the situation of maybe large organisations historically taking one, two years to go through research, to go through protocols and try and get something to a point at which they would be happy to take to the marketplace. Now what what you're saying there, I mean it makes yes, it, it, it sounds quite convoluted at the start but it makes perfect sense. If you don't have the evidential base to be able to say yes you know we know this works or here here are the stats and the you know the data that are going to tell us that this is a at least a potential viable opportunity that what you've got to start doing is thinking differently and you've got to start asking different questions. Yep. Yep. Does and that it- mean that you also have to be much more flexible and adaptable in your your reaction your your ability to be able to react and and do you have to be much more fluid as well in your reaction absolutely and it and it's a willingness and this this is where you need to have your champions within your organizations and a willingness from senior management down but equally you need the buy-in and this is where the leader needs the followers to have people who are prepared to be confident that there's a no-blame culture so what we're saying to people is it's safe to pilot it's safe to try we're not going to complain if it doesn't necessarily work first time but now i've heard that phrase in a totally different context and I'm going to take you back because you know we always have to bring the dogs in (laughs) very first time I took Kino to a training class and he thought I'd taken him to Disneyland for dogs the the instructor said that to me she said it's safe to try it's safe not to get it right so you mentioned entrepreneurial leadership and I know you've got two dogs at home as well. So give me the connection. Tell me why you brought that in so so early in our conversation. So for, for me, I have two dogs, same same breed, not related. Which is what? They're Australian Labradoodles. Oh. So, but interestingly, the older one, we took through your standard training and we thought he was obedient. We then, within two years, bought a second dog. And then what we realised was a difference in these individuals in that actually the first one wasn't really that obedient at all. 
when we actually tried to more seriously train the second one and her recall and her obedience and her speed was much faster. So we actually had taken them through a very similar process, but what we discovered was in terms of their mindset and their attitudes and their thinking and doing are actually quite different. But they've been brought up in the same way. But for us, it's it's an understanding that... Um, they will, they, they will both be asked to do the same thing, but they will both behave very differently. Okay, how does this tie into parallels in the workplace and particularly thinking about it from an entrepreneur? If you had to say one of your dogs behaves more entrepreneurially, what is it that it's doing? What are you seeing? How is it behaving in relation to the other one? You've mentioned speed and pace, and that's obviously something that entrepreneurs have to be able to handle. What, what else? How Possibly using initiative. Okay. So the one, so the one who I would say is more entrepreneurial will use their initiative um, as a result of the situation that they find themselves in. So that might be from choosing a stick that seems to be in a particularly unusual position, but they will still manage to to find it and try to bring it home. Or it might be manoeuvring how to actually understand how to open a particular door that they're not meant to open. <laughs> There's always that one door they're not meant to open. So it's again, it's dealing with, it's putting in this case the dog into a situation where it's maybe unfamiliar but it's there's certainly a degree of uncertainty and it's back to their problem solving their initiative and although we never really know what's going on inside their heads potentially their thinking skills and their decision making processes so if I said to you to be an entrepreneur you need to be a leader would you agree with me I think it depends on your aspiration as an entrepreneur. I think there's much discussion and much debate as to when we use the label of entrepreneur. Do you think it's overused sometimes? Yeah, and I think that going back to my uncertainty and risk, I'm willing to call anybody who makes that decision to substitute income substitution by making making the decision they're going to create a business to be entrepreneurial. But there are many academics who will only label the entrepreneurial word against growth. So where you're looking beyond self-employment and income substitution is where many of the academics sit in terms of you're only an entrepreneur where you grow the business. And again, that, that's quite important because I, I know a lot of people and have worked with a lot of small businesses where people have come out of uh, large organisations. Maybe they've come out due to redundancies and opportunities that have been presented to them or it's been through choice. And they've created, in their mind, a business. But in reality, all they've done is created a job for themselves. Right. Yeah, so you would say that from an academic perspective, that's not... Be- yes. Some people would say that's S- not... Some being- people would say... And, it, and it's interesting because it's something that we do with, with our own students around developing growth. And I think one of the, the, the easiest ways to think about it is in terms of concentric circles. If we think of the organisation as a circle and the entrepreneur being the dot in the middle. But when we're trying to grow the business, what you need to do to lead is to take that dot from the centre to the circumference and then you need to take it beyond the circumference because what you're then trying to do is lead and have created a self-sustaining 
business which will function because of the systems and processes that you've put in place and that you've developed the individuals to deliver the product and service that is your DNA for your particular business model. Right, so there's there's a degree. The word that springs to mind when I hear that is almost legacy. You know, you're you're asking them to 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 put in place systems and processes and procedures that will continue. So it's sustainability, but it's about leaving a legacy. And is that is that why so many entrepreneurs then reach a point? in the business or or whatever organisation they're in, where it almost becomes self-sustaining and that's where the boredom threshold hits? It's where the boredom, it's where the exhaustion, it's where the repetition, it's because you have become the business as opposed to create a business and lead a business. Just what you've said, where an individual maybe because of redundancy, maybe because of retirement, has a skill set, a profession, but actually creating a business around that is a totally different scenario and there, mm. there's some work that, that, that we do quite successfully with both our student population and with small businesses which is around and we need another half hour conversation for this one but it's around entrepreneurs managers and technicians and what we've identified and have mapped with the work of an american author called gerber is most people fail when they start small businesses because they're technicians trying to be technicians running a business. But what you actually need beyond the technician skill set is the management and entrepreneurial qualities. So within that 24-hour window, you are the technician, you are the manager, and you are the entrepreneur. But if a business is to survive and grow, then what we actually have to do is use the technician skills to become the process of the business. And ultimately, we need the managers and entrepreneurs to allow us to see the opportunities to take that business forward. To take that business forward, and hence the concept of entrepreneurial definitions as being growth, because it's moving forward and, and growing. Okay. You mentioned your two Labradoodles earlier, and you talked about them from the point of view of, you actually used the word obedience and that's not uh, that's not something that I would be really expecting to look for from an entrepreneurial perspective so a dog will follow you out of curiosity to a point a dog will follow you and perhaps do what it thinks you want it to do because you bribe it you give it the treats you give it the attention but long term a dog is only going to follow you because it trusts you. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would agree. And I, but interesting, going back to, to your obedience with regards to our business model, if somebody works within your organisation and you set out your shared vision and they wish to contribute with it, they do so on the understanding that you have that shared vision, but you're working to an agreed shared vision and it's not obedience but it's agreement it's professional agreement that i i'm buying in because i believe i can contribute okay so 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 it's it's a tenuous link but my argument would be if you had somebody more senior in your organization at director level and they weren't contributing and they weren't sharing your values i would use the word Disobedient. Disobedient, yes. Okay, okay. I... So there's, you know, it, 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 
it may seem an odd link, but there are some parallels there. Okay, so accepting that link, and then back to the the fact that we we've agreed. I mean, the listeners might not, but we we've agreed that trust is that that key component. From an entrepreneurial perspective, quite often there's um, seed money, startup money, investment. That there's some kind of monetary contribution required as well, and certainly an awful lot of time and, and blood, sweat, and tears. So surely people have to trust the entrepreneur and almost trust in trust in their vision before they're going to engage and in essence become followers towards that vision or that dream you know whatever that opportunity is and that's why i think if we're looking you mentioned branson earlier i think one of the things that that we can use branson as, as an amazing role model is his ability to communicate and he because he clearly communicates what he is and isn't about then people have no doubt about whether they wish to sign up for that value vision being part of that journey so there's this painting the picture Hmm. clarity of what it is to be part of that organisation and I'm going to steal somebody's quote that I heard um, a couple of weeks ago where it was talking about somebody who had been in NASA and I think the the person had met them at the entrance or had been one of the, the porters or the cleaners but when asked what they did they said I helped put people on the moon And that, to me, is you're part of the big picture. It doesn't matter what role you are in the organisation, but you're part of the big picture. Fantastic. Susan, that's been brilliant. There is so much more we could unpick, but in half an hour we can only really start to to explore the topic. But hopefully what we've got now is a much clearer understanding of entrepreneurial leadership, what it is to be an entrepreneur, some of the maybe the challenges that we're facing over the next few years globally and the fact that this landscape is changing so the message I'm taking away quite clearly today is that leaders of the future particularly to be able to help businesses to grow and to survive in the future are going to have to adopt some element of entrepreneurial spirit mindset and behavior label themselves as entrepreneurs or not so thank you Susan that's been absolutely fantastic and enjoy your conference Thank you very much. And good luck with your paper. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Leslie and her book, Who Put You in Charge? Go to lesliehunter.com. There you can also join the pack, a free membership group where you'll receive regular hints and tips from Leslie, as well as access to some great leadership resources. So how are you doing as a leader? See how you measure up by downloading Leslie's free iPad app, the Effective Leader Scoreboard, available on iTunes. We'll see you next week for another edition of Leadership Unleashed.